Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. This podcast is brought to you by Vish, a complete color management system designed by colorists for colorists, helping salons to eliminate waste, ensure consistent color and pricing, track inventory, and maximize profit. To learn more about Vish, simply text in all capitals, get Vish with no space, G-E-T-V-I-S-H, to the number 44222 for more information. Hello and welcome back. Today I have the pleasure of sharing this episode with someone who I connected with on social media. It's amazing how you can connect with someone on social media and feel like you've known them forever. So today I have David Group. He is a very passionate colorist. Uh, He's an educator for Davines. He is in a salon, Meta Hair Studio, in, are you in Pennsylvania, David? Yeah, York, York, Pennsylvania. Okay. York, Pennsylvania. My former hometown is Philadelphia. And uh, he also has passion for razor cutting, which I love because that's, that's something that not everyone has mastered behind the chair. So we are getting together to chat about all things color and hair in general. And when we first um, jumped on, we, we mentioned that, you know, a lot of people have anxiety issues and a lot of people don't think that everyone else has them and therefore they think it's a taboo subject. So David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm excited to have you here and I'm happy that you brought up the uh, mental health aspect and the anxiety that a lot of people have, and you know they they almost have to enter into work each day and put this you know shield of armor of you know pretending that they're not a ball of knots inside. So I'm so happy you brought that up because of course when we scheduled this episode, we thought we were going to talk about all things hair color because you and I banter back and forth on forums and on my page and an Instagram, but it really is an important subject. And I'm happy that you brought that up um, because it does need to be talked about. So tell me a little bit about your background and tell the people listening as well as, you know, your take on the whole anxiety, mental health um, issue. Oh my gosh. So as an educator, a lot of times we're told not to talk too much about ourselves. So this is (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of funny to, to have to like talk about myself a little bit but um anyways yeah I've been I'm from York Pennsylvania I've kind of bounced around I've lived um out in Pittsburgh I've lived down in Georgia for a little period of time and um I've came into this industry about 11 years ago I was in college um I grew up um in a household my my brother was handicapped so I kind of spent my whole life sort of being sensitive to a lot of other people's needs and uh, being a little bit of a perfectionist and never wanting to be a bother to people. So when I went to college, um, I spent two years in college uh, for public relations. And I um, also did a little 
spent in psychology. I always thought I'd be a good psychologist, but in reality, what I spent my time in college doing was like having, being a kid for the first time, you know, I was able to go and be around other people. And um, I think a lot of pent up things through my life kind of led to that period of time of like, just having to break it down and, and, and deal with it. And it carried over, started going to hair school and treated the first maybe half of my career of being really ambitious, but at the same time being a little bit self-destructive, you know? And I think I see that a lot in this industry of like, um, I really, really want this, but I also don't know how to take care of myself and I don't know how to to do completely right by myself. I, I'm better at taking care of other people than taking care of me. So it, it took a while. It took, um, you know, just problems with, with certain things in my life, things never quite going my way. You know, I feel like life kind of has its little stage instructions and when you ignore them things just tend to clash up against you so I felt for a lot of years I was looking at other people and like so um you're my permission you're my pathway to my success but never kind of giving myself the permission to like just go for it and do what I have to do so you know I think about five years ago I just made a really conscious choice I was struggling with anxiety I was having panic attacks almost every single day it was debilitating mm -hmm. And I realized I just had this snap moment of like, oh my gosh, this is me. I'm doing this to myself. I have control over this. And I made little decisions consciously over the last couple of years to move in a different direction and um, stop blaming the world, stop looking outward for where my problems were and just start taking a little responsibility for it. And I don't mean taking responsibility as just a negative thing and, and taking some self-blame, like taking responsibility for my own happiness and my own well-being and, and what I love to do. And I think through the last five years, a lot of I've managed to accomplish more things than I thought possible. And I think while I'm not totally in my career exactly where I want to be, I, I'm okay. Like I'm content, you know, no matter what happens at this point, it's all just sort of like icing on the cake. Right. And I think that's where you find that nice little uh, groove to grow, you know, and I'm, I'm focused on the work. I, I'm absolutely obsessed with the scientific part of hair color and, you know, just really, truly understanding it from a deep perspective. I would say my biggest benefit, uh, my biggest thing that I bring to this industry is my curiosity, you know, whether it be talking to people like you, I think you're another person that's very much like that. Like our strengths are, we're really curious about people and how their brains operate. We're curious about our tools and how they work and wanting to get the most out of them. We're also just curious about how the operation of things work and, and how we can grow and how we can be better. And not just wanting that for ourselves, but wanting it for other people. And I think that's where my passion in education and why I've always wanted to be an educator is I just love to see people grow. I love to make an impact on them, you know, even if it's just walking into a salon for two hours and I'm there to teach about shampoo. Well, why do we have educators go in and talk about shampoo? Because, you know, they can read the back of the bottle themselves. I think it's really about having that impact and having um, a mentor and somebody to look up to. I love having mentors and, and I love being a mentor for other people. So um, as far as my time spent in the industry, I think that's a nice little, you know, uh, leeway into kind of my perspective and where I come from for sure. I love that. And I love that you, you know, a lot of people that have, if you've ever had a panic attack, you know, it's a pretty awful, scary thing. And to have several of those and to have that be part of your regular life and to move beyond it and to say, I can control this. This is something that I need to get past. So many people isolate and use um, that as a crutch to maybe not be their best self because it's so 
painful to fight through, but it sounds like you've gotten to the other side of it and see how amazing the other side of all that anxiety is when you realize that I always say it's a little redundant at this point, but our story in our head is always, always way, way worse than what the reality ends up being in every given mm-hmm. situation, you know? So just having that little self-talk, but I am so impressed that you having anxiety would even step into a role of educator, you know, the number one (laughs) fear above death is public speaking. So for you to have anxiety and even push yourself way, way, way outside your comfort zone to stand in front of people as an authority and, you know, you're going into situations on the regular where, you know, no one in that spot, you know, whether it's a salon or a school or a hair show, it's, you're going in as a stranger and you have to be the authority that everybody's looking to. And, and you can really get in your head about that, about, you know, does, does my clothing wrinkle? Does my hair look okay? Do I have bags under my eyes? Cause I didn't sleep last night. Like there's so much self-doubt and self-talk from the educator standpoint and kudos to you for pushing through that because you're so curious and so passionate about education. You and I have had some really awesome banter back and forth. Like you're such a deep thinker about the chemistry of color and you've actually pushed me to be a little more of a deep thinker. And I think, wow, how many times have I taught X, Y, Z, not even realizing what the chemical component is, you know, so many colorists pick up a tube of color and really believe because we just don't know any better and we're never told that it's not like paint. You know, we think that when we pick up a blue, that we're painting blue pigment onto the hair. And the only time that that is true is in a direct dye vivid situation. So I think that there's so many categories now, you know, when I, when I first became a hairstylist in 1986, hair color was just becoming really popular in the salon. It was for years, it was pull it through a cap, bleach it to the high heavens, create a frosting blonde now, or they were a double process, Marilyn Monroe roots to tips, white, white blonde with, you know, a well, a color charm toner. Uh, But it's developed so much since then with all these other categories. And what's a shame is, you know, people are taught the basics in beauty school and they don't really understand that each one of the rules that you learn along the way is for a specific category. You know, a lot of people will try to take something that they learn about permanent ammoniated, you know, hair color that has alkalinity and lift and all that. And then they'll take that rule and that process and apply it to a demi or a semi or, you know, all these hybrid in between colors. Um, So there's just, I don't, want to say that it's so much more complicated than we think it is because it really isn't. I mean, it really can be very simple, but there are things that people need to know when working with it. And there's so, so many myths out there that drive me bananas that continue to be passed on, you know? And yeah, and it's all that sort of thing. So I say it this way, you know, I spend time doing brand education and my job is to literally go into a salon and and the reason why there are rules, and I love Davinesque because they let me talk about this. There's not a gag order on me as far as like how I'm allowed to explain things, which is great from a brand because you don't always get that from a brand, right? 
So the reason why there are brand manufacturing instructions is because they needed to find a way that they could guarantee a certain level of service on the most consistent basis. So from Davinessa's standpoint, we tested this color in 92 countries. These are what we found works consistently every single time. And, um, you know, we need to put it out there for people because a lot of people just understand the marketing aspect of it. And a lot of it is marketing. It, it's a way to simplify it and make this user friendly without having to go and teach crazy in depth, you know, like we're not chemists. At the end of the day, we're not chemists. Mm -hmm. You know, I can take that fully on myself and understand. I have a great understanding of color. I am not a chemist. I will never understand it like a chemist does unless I go through that channel of education, right? So um, yeah, there's a, a reason and a purpose for it. But what people don't understand is that those things are put in place and it's really like a sliding scale, you know, like these, when we're talking about these chemicals and how they mix together, it's all about proportions and how they balance with each other. And when you kind of understand what each component in the hair color does, you can get a little bit more creative and manipulate it to your purposes, right? So the rules are there just to teach people how to use that brand in particular. And understanding that each and every brand has a different balance of pH, a different mixture of chemicals and that um, what works for one, I would say like if you're out driving a BMW and you buy a Range Rover, you can't take the manual from the BMW over to the Range Rover and expect it to work. It just, it, it doesn't work that way. So I think that's why it's important what we do. But I think once you really understand the ins and outs of color, you can walk into a salon and read their, um, their dossier on their color line. And with a little bit of tweaking and, and a little bit of work at it, you can figure out any color line and be able to make it work for you. I love that car analogy that you just gave because that is something that um, one of the biggest, for me, the biggest nugget that I can ever share with anyone doing hair color is that we have been taught since the beginning of time that if we're looking for you know, a level seven result, we use a tube of level seven, no matter what the base of the color is. And that just enrages me every time I hear it still to this day. And there's so many, to your point, factors, you know, I'll say to somebody, no, you have to use, you know, the, the lift is in the tube, not in the developer, but to your point, European color behaves differently than color that's mm -hmm. made in the U.S., level systems are different. There's an American and a European level system. So one company's six is very deep and dark and can make them look like Elvis's long lost sister. And another line six is a light blonde, not a light blonde, like a dark natural blonde. So for me, I think that between six and seven and five and six is the area that the most goes wrong. And, and you, you have to color. swatch, you have to swatch, no matter exactly. what brand you're with, you have to pull those swatches out because I don't know where this thing came, where it, it makes you more of a professional stylist that you can stand across the room and look at somebody's roots and like know exactly what their natural level is. I'm depending on the lighting, the density of the hair, like there's no possible way to know. And I think that people are so afraid to bring that swatch book out on the floor because they think it um, demeans their level of professional, you know, their profession, their, I don't know, their professional opinion, but you know, you need that there, you need the context of it. And it's not like, um, it's not like walking through the, you know, Walmart line where all the box colors are and picking your color. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to give context and figure out what tones work next to people's skin. And also the most important thing, especially if you're lifting, understanding where you're starting, because you have to pick the appropriate amount of gas to put in the car to get where you're going. If you're not, you're always going to have brassy results. You're always going to, you know, come up short of where you need to go. And then if you're not doing that, I think most stylists, what they do is they blame 
they blame the the car, not the driver, right? It's just always 100%. the car's fault. It's not yeah. not my fault. So I think that's um, just turning those thought processes around and just getting people to think a little bit more critically about the tools that they're using, right? Hundred percent. Now I I do I want to weigh in on the on the swatch thing because I am definitely one of those people that says to you know I'll, I'll see people on a forum and they'll say oh, the, the color line I use, they're out of their swatch book. And what am I getting? And they're in a sheer panic. And I'm like, I haven't pulled out a swatch ring since 1987. So for me, I don't really lean on the swatch book because mm. at this point, after 33 years, I do have it in memory in my brain. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with using the swatch chart as a visual to help share with the client where you're going as far as the tone that's in your head and make it visual. What I have a problem with and which I see all day, every day is people handing the book to the client. Like it's a value menu at McDonald's and saying, do you want a number four or a number five? And the client pointing and saying, I want that. And then that color is then walking in the back and pulling that tube. That's the part that I have issue with. Yes. So my yeah. friend Christina, who we both have interviewed each other um, on each other's podcast, she's from Australia. She's amazing. And she used a line and I said, girlfriend, I am sealing this forever because I love it. And then her cute little Australian accent, which I'm not even going to try to do because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> she said, do you want to be a color chartist or a color artist? And I was like, I love that because Anybody can do, a, you know, paint by numbers, connect the dots, here's a chart, pick a color, I'll put that on. But you and I, as educators and colors, know that that exact swatch number, if you use that yeah. tube, you are not 100% not going to get the result that you were looking for because you are not using paint and you are not painting on a white canvas. You know, it is not just paint by numbers. Number six is going to do this. Number seven is going to do that. And I, if nothing else from this conversation you and I are having, for someone to listen, if you're in your car or you're in your treadmill, wherever you're listening to this conversation, please hear me and understand that is the difference. You have, you know, a client with, say, level five natural hair coming to the party. So whatever tube that you're choosing, if you're being a color chartist and you're picking, you know, number eight, because that's what the client pointed to, what you have now is what an eight mixed with a five divided by two is where you land. Yeah. That's the biggest misconception. And people write in and call the hotline and I use a, a tube of eight and it's bright red and and if you look at the remaining pigment contribution of where an eight and a five come together and divide by two you're in that pure orange funky blonde mcdonald zone so that's why i say hair color can be so simple because if you understand that math and you understand that it's a combination of what you're putting on with what you started with and that they're coming together and being brought into the middle by a chemical reaction, not a painting on a surface. I hope that that makes sense. I hope it's so hard because yeah, this no, is a visual class and, and think, it's all audio, but it's like so important. I, I think we're losing that too. You know, I think we have a whole generation of people that really get that. And I feel blessed to have like been, um, I did a ton of painting when I was in high school and just really kind of classed one of the idea of, um, 
what, is, what am I looking for? Complementary colors. And that really what we're creating is a palette of browns, you know, when we're dealing with, with a, an oxidative dye. Um, so I, I truly get that. But what I have seen, like I've seen this industry more than in the last handful of decades, in the last five years, it's changed so much. And the people that are coming into it are coming into it with a different perspective. And you see, um, you see people that are really coming into this, trying to create vivid tones. Like that is their whole goal in the mm -hmm. industry. And, you know, not to knock it or anything like there's people out there that are making a great living doing it. But I think people are learning the ins and outs of just what you said. You know, if you look at somebody like Guy Tang, he creates his visual field by some creating a blank canvas and then coloring on top of it. Um, that's easy to do from a formulation standpoint, you know, but I think people forget that we are dealing with, we're never, you're never creating a tone on top of the hair. You're either balancing or accentuating, right? So if I have red 100%. tone and I want a bright red tone, I can use them to create fire behind that, you know? Um, but if I want to, if I want to balance it, I'm never going to subtract the red from my, my situation. I'm just going to add something to it to create a balance to it. And I think that, and also that artificial pigment is not as powerful as natural pigment, you know, and I think people don't always see that in their head. So, so if you're sending somebody out with a door, that's something that they wanted a cool result and you're sending them out neutral because you've just put a bunch of green on top of there to counteract it. Well, in four to six weeks, of course, they're going to be brassy because you didn't get them where they wanted to go in the first place. So just understanding um, nothing is wrong. But knowing how to educate your clients and give them the full picture, so that way there's no surprises and no shocks. How many times in my early career have I like bleached somebody and it was spotty and yellow and gross, you know, because we all do that in our first five years, some of us into our 20th year, you know, and then just threw something <laughs> over top of that, you know, threw something over top of that and then just think I can get away with it. Well, you know, a toner doesn't lie after four weeks, you know, you're going to have that result and then. So then we're like, oh, you know, hard water, you know, <laughs> hard water girl. And you here's know, some purple shampoo. Like, <laughs> here's some purple shampoo. Use right. this every minute of every day. And the exactly. whole thing with purple so then, shampoo, now that we're on that topic, um, purple is for counteracting yellow. And mm -hmm. for years, people have been throwing it on top of brassy, orange-toned hair. Mm -hmm. So finally, exactly. in the last maybe year at the most, companies have come out with blue shampoo, which is what we needed mm -hmm. from the beginning. If we're going to do a color deposit shampoo, at least let it do its job. Purple is not going to do anything to orange except give you like a weird purple tinge on top of orange on your hair. You know, it's not really designed to... Um, counteract orange. So I think getting back to the bare bones color wheel, I think if, if anything else, the Vivid um, movement has made people aware of uh, using actual color wheel methodology because I think yes. for years we all forgot we even learned it in beauty school. It was kind of like, what? What wheel? And now it's like, right. okay, if you don't know that and there's still yellow in the hair and you're trying to get a blue result, you're going to end up with green because you're putting green. blue on top mm -hmm. of yellow. And now you're like, oops, okay, I knew that. I had the color wheel, but I just forgot to use it, so. Yeah, and it kind of simplifies it because then we're dealing with primary colors where natural hair color is not always so simple because there's always a, a complex variance of, so it, it is sometimes pulling out a swatch and understanding exactly what you're dealing with, you know, because our eye can be fooled a little bit. As a matter of fact, our eye and the way that we see things isn't so simple. Um, you know, look at 
and it's not just color blindness, the way our brain kind of interacts with our eye. We have those clients that drive us absolutely crazy because we put forest green on their hair and they come back and they say it's red. Right. Um, <laughs> that might be the, you know, I mean, that might be the way they see things. And, it, you know, if nothing else that engages us in a conversation with that client of being like, you know, I just don't know if, if I have a great solution for you. You know, I think what you're asking for might not be something that is completely attainable because your eye is always going to see this warmth and, you know, even using visual examples to them of something like, um, you know, a gold violet tone, you know, if they are constantly seeing the warmth in that, but you see it as something that's neutral, obviously your opinion or the way that you perceive color is very, very different. So I think it's an important part of your consultations is not just like pulling out a picture or asking what your client wants, like understanding exactly how they see color, you know, and if you can eliminate that from the consultation, then you can way better formulate them. If something, you know, maybe you're sending something out the door that you don't necessarily like, it looks like mushroomy and, and dull to you. But if that's what it takes to make the client happy, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they're paying you for. Well, how about those things that were floating around the uh, Facebook and the internet with that dress? You know, I was in Aruba when oh, that yeah. blue, blue and gold or white and gold or blue and black dress. I was in Aruba with right. my best friend we were sitting looking at the same iPad. So, you know, everybody's like, it's a hoax. It's something, you know, with whatever device you're on or whatever. No, we were looking at the same exact screen, mm -hmm. at the same exact time. I totally 100% saw white and gold, could not see blue and black if I tried. And she saw blue and black yeah. until she was blue in the face. And I was like, oh my gosh, like as a colorist and as someone who really is passionate about teaching color, how much of this is at play? You know, I worked with a woman who was a very successful colorist. She was from Germany. She spoke very broken English. She owned this, you know, very successful chain of salons with her husband. And she would, her and I would argue like you couldn't even imagine because her husband was the most strawberry blonde, Nicole Kidman-esque strawberry. Like it was so clearly strawberry. He had the skin tone to yeah. match the strawberry. He had the eye color. And I would say, you know, oh, he's so cute with his little strawberry blonde. And she's like, what? Darling, what are, what are you talking about? Like she would argue with me <laughs> and say, there is no red in his hair. And her daughter was a total ginger and she said she was a blonde. So I'm like, you've been coloring hair for 50 years. How many times are you giving somebody something that your eye sees as one thing and the client sees, how have you been so successful with that learning curve? You know, like what you see is what you see and you can argue with people forever and it's, it's just, it's not going to change what you see with the eyes that God gave you. And to your point, like there's a big percentage of the population that don't even know they're colorblind. You know, they see it color yeah. as what they see it and they can't describe it because it's only being seen by them so that's a whole it's, other conversation <laughs> yeah no i mean it's it's totally perception and if you take it back to the basics what is color it's it's how light reflects off reflection of things and how our yeah. eyes perceive it yeah so it, depending on what light you're standing in i think you talk about that dress um you know in reality if you put it into context and you look at the person's skin you can see that there's like a a nuance of whatever that camera was it took a picture and it you know so it's like in my brain i can I'm just sort of, I think I'm a very practical person. I like draw the lines and I'm like, oh, obviously that's what this is. And it's just like you on the camera, but you know, to other people whose brains work a little differently, they're going to see it a little different. And depending on, you know, I, my hair, 
um, you know, I go to the gym every day and it has the worst lighting in the world in there. And I look like I have no eyebrows and my hair looks red at the gym. You know, like it looks, I look like a ginger when I walk into my gym. That's so funny. And that's all the lighting, you know, because I think you would look at me here and not see that, you know. Yeah, so not just, at all. It's really like, yeah, I think it's like literally when people are out in their everyday life and, you know, if somebody's working in a store and their job is to go in and sell jewelry and they're under these ugly fluorescent lights all the time, you know, something that looks beautiful in your salon under that color and they go into work and they look horrendous, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, yeah, it's really figuring out, figuring out the person's lifestyle and, and just adjusting and not being afraid to have those conversations because I think most, the most important part of this conversation is that um, stylists sometimes are just so afraid to be honest and have a fault and um even just look at their own work and be like hey this isn't the greatest when can i get you back in here to tweak it a little bit like you're gonna live with it you'll never notice and see it but i know it's there and i want you back in here you know so just being able to have those conversations and have the self-assurance that this doesn't make me bad and this is not going to make my client not love me it's actually going to build a relationship with them you know Absolutely. i think i built some of my my best relationships with clients off of corrective situations sometimes even off of like uh, you know have you ever had that haircut walk back through the door and you're going through it and I'm like did I do that haircut like what the hell was I doing that day you know so it's, it's um just having the honesty to say that and, and just admit that we are all works in progress we're all constantly getting better I'm not the same hair color as I was six months ago thank god you know so it's it's, it's just being able to have that those kind of conversations with people Absolutely. And, and so to your point, I've, I've been in those situations where I say, oh, just five more minutes of the glaze or just three more minutes on that front foil. You know, you start mm -hmm. to look at the clock and you're like, oh, crap, I got to get <laughs> you're her. Sweating. You're sweating. You're sweating. And then you don't want to put a ton of heat on there. And you're like, oh, it'll be fine. And it's never fine. There's always that little right bit of gold that just needed two, three more minutes. And I think that that's the biggest thing that people don't realize they're doing on the daily is they're getting in their own mm -hmm. way by rushing yeah. the part that really mattered. You know, you can't outglaze your mistake, you know, so mm -hmm. you think, oh, the glaze is going to kill it. But to your point, you know, maybe 10 days you get out of that. And then that you know, screaming gold is going to be underneath and you're going to get that phone call. And then there's the whole conversation on forums about, oh, absolutely not. She waited too long to call you. Tell her yeah, she has to yeah, yeah. again. And that's the whole other thing. I'm like, no, you, you tried to hide it. And now it's yeah. peeking its ugly head back up and shame on you for not taking the extra three minutes. And to your point also, sharing that with the client. I know this seems like it's taking forever, but sometimes the difference of like another two minutes can really get you to that sweet spot. And that's where I want you to stay because this glaze that we put on is pretty and shiny and wonderful, but it does not last forever. And I don't want you to have something pop out a few weeks from now and not love your hair. So hang in there. We just need an extra five minutes, you know, and they understand, you know, if, if you walk away from them and you've left them and you're doing 10 other things, no, she's not going to be okay with it. She's going to think you forgot her. So it's being in full integrity at all times, being honest, even to a fault sometimes to just tell them what's going on and then they're okay with it, you know, but trying to, you know, cover things up and, and just bullshit your way through it. You know, I, I think, and that's something that I want to segue into for you as an educator, 
in your opinion, you're in and out of a lot more salons than I am. My education is 90% virtual. And then the other 10% is in a room of 300 people. So I can't have right. that one-to-one -one relationship. But how much do you think that people are, A, doing the safe 7N, 6N over and over and over again for lack of knowledge? And the other half, how many do you think are completely phoning a friend and leaning on the person next to them that actually did take the time to learn? Because I suspect there's a whole lot of that going on. And is that really difficult to try to coach through in these you know, very limited time classes that you get to do in salons? Yeah, so it's, uh, that's what's difficult is that um, you know, when I'm there as a brand representative, I'm really there to teach the rules and keep it as that simple. But I find often, and it's always surprising because you never know where it's going to be. Sometimes you walk into, you know, you're in Podunk, middle of nowhere, and you walk in and you find this like seasoned colorist, you know, two chair salon, and you're like, how? You know, like, you know, there's there's like deer antlers on the wall. Like, how do you? How are you this knowledgeable? <laughs> you know, you're like, what is going on here? I just got such a visual, such a visual. Yeah, head. I mean, it's it's. It, it's serious. And, I, you know, that's the reality. I, we live in Pennsylvania. There's this, a huge, um, you know, a huge diversity in, in what this state looks like, you know. And then there's times I walk into a place that you walk into a full chandelier and, you know, they have the top accolades in town and they don't even know how to make, um, you know, a beige color out of there. You know, 100%. so it's just like you never know what you're getting. And, you know, I think sometimes even the bigger the salon, the more they, they turn over sometimes and they have younger staff in there. And, I'm just always surprised sometimes that people don't get basic color theory and they don't get basic things. And that's not really my job to do when I'm there as a brand representative. Sometimes I get myself in a little, you know, um, a little trouble because I want to go and then just be like, you know, forget this. <laughs> We're teaching color theory today. But, you know, yeah. some, at some point you learn and you, you like uh, when, when you're opening a box of because you can't even dive into that and just do it half. You know, right. so sometimes you open a can of worms. So sometimes you got to know when to let that go. You know, and then there's other times where, you know, when I'm having conversations with people about this stuff in particular and why I've, I'm really working to try to develop my own, um, maybe non-brand specific education and get out there doing this, which has been a big goal of mine the last year. So it's like, how do I make well, this we happen? Need, we need because, you, so make it happen. They, there needs to be more yeah. of us out there shouting from the rooftops trying to fix this. I think it's almost like the shame of never learning to read. For someone who may mm. have been dyslexic and they just are embarrassed and they never speak up and then they go into adulthood still not really grasping certain principles and then it's embarrassing to say when you're 20 years old i don't really know how to read i almost feel like that um parallel to hair color basics that people really did i was one of them i got out of beauty school i had no idea what they were talking about with green blue mm. orange all that and i went into a very neighborhood salon with an older clientele who they all had gray so it was super easy they were 100 percent white so it was like painting on a blank canvas cover yeah and then mm. my young clients started coming in that were more my age and i was like wow there's a lot i don't understand because i wanted to do that same thing with them and take that clairol whatever was safe on that older lady with gray hair and put it on someone who's a level five and surprise i got some really brassy crazy results and i was like what's going right. on um, lucky for me i said whoa put the brakes on i need to start all over again and get some good training 
most people aren't doing that. And then they're doing that mm. safety, you know, when I have a blonde, I'm going to do this. When I have a brown, I'm going to do this. And when I have a redhead, I'm going to do that. And they keep it. Apply to everyone. Right. Yeah. And it, it's just like, um, I, I think as an educator, what, what's been vital to my success, you know, because I, I think you've been around this industry as much as I can, I have as far as knowing that um, sometimes when you get into this level of things, you run into a lot of big egos where it's all about the person. And, and I really think as an educator, you cannot have an ego. You absolutely cannot and you can't be judgmental. And I think um, the way that I relate to people is I, I truly have no judgment for where they are in their journey. And um, I'm there asking permission to show them something. You know, I'm not there trying to be like, you're doing this wrong. What are you doing? I'm there asking mm -hmm. permission. Can I show you something? Can I, can I help you with something? Can I help you understand this um, at a different capacity? You know, because I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. What I'm saying is there might be different ways of looking at this. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's really, really important to have that attitude. And I think that people that behave like that in the world are the next generation of how we learn. Because when I was coming up, um, I dealt with so many almost narcissistic salon owners that um, made you feel so little, made you feel like they had complete control over your clientele and over, you know, so much of your aspect. And, and what they're not telling you is that they had to break the rules and they had to learn and they had to go somewhere to, to make their success happen. And they're keeping that from you. Why would you want to keep that from people that you're trying to grow and foster? You know, so I think the beautiful thing about Instagram and, and our younger generation becoming a little bit more independent and, and um, being able to find other resources and go directly to the source, like with you, for example, when I had a question about your book, I, I showed up and I messaged you. Um, I have oh, conversations yeah. with, with Matt Beck, you know, who's, who's around here, who everybody says I look like, but I, I was going to say, I totally and, was just yeah, going to say. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've always admired him in the industry and, and we've had some great conversations because I reached out to him and um, the young American, uh, Justin Razor, he's an amazing mentor as well. I've been able to have a lot of chats with him and, and that's what I think I would love to leave with people is like, if you want something, go to the source, go to the people that are yeah, doing it. Yeah. Don't rely on other people to be your gateway to success because at the end of the day, even like maybe not everybody has your best interests at heart, you know, and it's not, it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything about them. It doesn't mean that your relationship isn't beneficial in the moment. It just means as you grow, you can't constantly like look at or have one goal and just look tunnel vision at that one thing. You kind of got to look at the world and what opportunities are around you and, and be smart enough to ask questions and be like, maybe if I walk down this road a little ways, it, it can help me grow in a way that I didn't think I needed to, you know, because I think um, every time I feel like I've got it figured out, I, I run into a month or two where I'm like, is this even the career field for me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even I still get that. Mm -hmm. um, what, what do they call it? Like, um, the saboteur, self-saboteur, the, Absolutely. you know, the, the drunk impo monkey on imposter, your shoulder, syndrome. imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome. And it's just like, you know, when I realize sometimes I'll have a conversation, I don't even realize how much I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I do. I'm qualified. I'm qualified. Doesn't mean I need to stop qualifying myself, but I'm qualified, you know, and, and just being uh, brave enough to say that I'm willing to learn more and I'm willing to go forward and I'm willing to um, talk to people that maybe I'm afraid to talk to, you know, you said earlier, you commended me for being able to stand up in front of a room of people. That's always been easy for me because I can pretend I'm any person I want to be when I'm standing in front of people. It's always been more anxiety for me when people get close enough to see who I really am and what I can actually do. And for mm -hmm. me, it's just been sort of like this process of like, just getting really honest about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. 
um, educating other people on what I know and bringing them into my world, I would say our clients, why don't we have retail sales? Why don't we have that sort of thing? Because we're not educating them. You know, we're speaking Spanish. They're talking English. We got to learn how to communicate in the same language. And I think people are so afraid to bring their clients into the conversation and are so guarded behind their wall. I don't care. I'll give you my formula. I'll give you Me my too. formula. Yeah, you know, I have no problem I mean, it's, it's just, it, what are, what are we hiding? You know? And I think yep. people come to respect that and respect you as a person. That's how you're going to grow. It's not, it's, there's no magical, you know, door that you walk through one day and you've made it. It's, it's a constant, um, your integrity and how you deal with people and, and just getting out there and wanting to better yourself. And I think that's what it's all about. A hundred percent. Well, you are an absolute gift to the industry and to all of us. And I want you to share with people listening, how can they follow you, reach you? Where do you want them to um, connect with you? Do you want them to follow you on Instagram or Facebook or do you have a website? Yeah, sure. So I've just really started um, figuring out my space in Instagram, you know, and, and started doing videos and I'm hoping to grow with that. Um, so still growing on that front and I want to use that as a tool for education. So if you get on Instagram and follow me at David Meta, M-E-T-A, hair, it's all one word. It's David Meta Hair. Um, you can uh, see videos, comment, because comments, more than anything, help push our posts up and get us, um, get us uh, more into the conversation of things and, and help us with our growth. So I always appreciate comments, and I love to have a conversation. So uh, personal messages, whatever, I'll answer any kind of question. Um, I just love to be here and be a part of the community. So, yeah, always Instagram, at David Meta Hair. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing and we definitely need to set up a part two interview because you and I could talk about color all day, but I love that you shared your passion and the fact that you just want to make everyone that comes in contact with you uh, a better, more informed colorist. Um, Davinus is so you know blessed to have you and I think you should definitely keep exploring other options on, you know, getting yourself out there and, and kick that drunk monkey off your shoulder because you definitely are more than qualified to have these conversations. So thank you so much for your time and everyone, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.